0: Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook.
1: Hello there. Welcome to Kyle Brandt's Basement. I'm Kyle. It is Thursday? Yeah. I'm having, I think, the single busiest and yet also most exciting day of my professional career. And I'm not exaggerating. And this is part of it. We're right in the middle of it. You know what I just got done doing? I just interviewed Vitaly Klitschko. Vitali Klitschko, the, the boxer, you might remember him. He and Vladimir were heavyweight boxers. He's now the mayor of Kyiv, Ukraine, the capital of Ukraine. And he is right in the thick of it. And we talked war and Putin and just all sorts of crazy stuff. It was a life memory and unbelievable, the places that this thing went. And uh, I did good morning football this morning. And then this afternoon, I'm going to go up to a haunted house about 45 minutes north of here and shoot a piece for the NFL today on CBS. And uh, it's going to be like which teams are scary and which are not. I'm trying very hard not to make these things be corny. You know, you, you see these kind of uh, cringy weekend packages sometimes with like bad comedy and stuff. I'm trying my best. I really am trying to make it authentic and motivational and dry if I can. So we shoot that later. But right now, we do Kyle Brandt's Basement. I'm very excited about this because we have an awesome show. Uh, so many funny things are going on. We're going to talk about uh, the most intriguing week of the NFL schedule. Great week coming up. Uh, Kadarius Tony is it Chief? I, I, I was just reading that before I came on. That's right. That's that's meaningful. That's a big deal. It's a talented guy. Um, we're going to talk about why I love Halloween. I, I hope you do too. But there's parts of it that are really frustrating and really annoying. And we're going to talk about that plus a takes on takes first. We have two former players who have never been in takes on takes before and they're each telling a current player to shut up. This is a great theme for takes on takes, so we'll get into that too. Uh, but first, I think I've missed nine free throws in a row and I have to miss four more in a row. Let's go to Skycam to tie Chris Dudley's uh, record for consecutive missed free throws in a game. I can, Or I can just break the streak right now. I've missed eight in a row, right? Or this would be nine or this would be ten, I'm not even sure. We're getting really close. Just end it all right here, Brant. Come on! Yeah! Woo! I did it! It's over! It's over! That was clean, too! Say it again! Dudley, see you later! New streak! Oh, that was great! This is gonna be some show. Let's go! What I love, what I hate, and what's hilarious. Bang! All right, you know me, I love weird NFL. I love new teams, new players, new coaches, unforeseen things. I don't like everything to be stock, where it's just the same teams and the same players year after year. I'm the guy who picked the Panthers to win the NFC South this season. Maybe they will, who knows. But that's why I love this weekend's schedule because it's intriguing and it's weird and it's unpredictable. There's a lot of games going on. We, we know about last week's schedule, it was not great. This week is awesome. and For the reasons you might not expect. First game, tonight. Ravens, Buccaneers. This is really something in the sense that, watch where this goes. Buccaneers lose, and it's just hellfire on the Brady empire. It's his first time losing three games in a row since 2003. It's currently 2022. He hasn't lost three games in a row since then. Uh, Ravens lose. Takes, 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 takes. The Ravens have been kind of weird. Their record is okay, but their final product has not been great. They blow a lot of leads. If they lose, then we're talking about Lamar contract stuff again. Where is this going? Is Lamar hashtag elite? All that stuff's coming out. And also the John Harbaugh thing. You know, John Harbaugh was a little rocky early on, and he's a unique species of coach in the sense that he has the skin on the wall, and he's done a lot of winning. He's also had some real cold streaks as a coach. He went several years at one point without making the playoffs, and now it's kind of this feeling of, John, are you still the guy? We're going to win another Super Bowl with you, or is it maybe getting a little stale? Are you a... Pete Carroll type is going to stay there and stay there and stay there, or maybe do we need a fresh energy? Are you a more of a Mike McCarthy with Green Bay? I don't know, but there'll be takes tomorrow. If Baltimore loses that game was supposed to be great. Here's my take on it. Next week, the NFL goes to Germany. I'm going to Germany to cover the Munich game, which is an awesome lifetime opportunity. I'm thrilled about it. I, I, I can't have Seahawks Bucks riding on the shoulders of, of Geno Smith and Kenneth Walker III, who I like. But the idea is Brady's face on the side of a building, an international expansion, and we got to talk Bucks, Seahawks for a week abroad. I can't have Brady on a long, long three-game losing streak and everything's terrible and he's going to retire. I need a little, little momentum here from the Buccaneers, if you don't mind. Could you get a win tonight? Todd Bowles, you got something to say? Anybody want to tackle anybody? That'd be great. The other matchup that's really good, because teams came out of nowhere, I was just talking about the Seahawks. Seahawks, 4-3, and three, Giants, 6-1. and one. It's kind of what I was talking about earlier in the week that if the Pro Bowl was selected this weekend based on merit, not popularity, but merit, the NFC Pro Bowl quarterbacks are so funny. It's it's Jalen Hurts, and it's Daniel Jones, and it's Gino, and it, it's it's great guys like that that are really funny stories. Gino and Daniel Jones being like the game of the weekend. Daniel Jones, who been a punchline for four years, I guess more like three years, Geno Smith was literally punched on his jawline years ago, and it was just like he was cast aside as this Oh, remember Geno Smith? Yeah, that was kind of a hard-luck case, and yeah. Geno Smith, haha, insert joke about the Jets here. No, no, Geno Smith is, like, coming for it. If Geno Smith wins this game, and they're going to go to 5-3, and three and he keeps playing well, I, this is just the way the NFL machine works. Couple more wins for Geno, and the hilarious Geno Smith MVP conversation starts. On the other hand, I would like a huge game from Saquon, because I've always wanted a running back to win MVP. It very, very rarely happens. You know, Derrick Henry got $2,000, nobody cared. Adrian Peterson did it a long time ago, but it only happens like every decade or something. Uh, Saquon Barkley MVP would be awesome. Next game the the way I'm fired up about is Patriots-Jets. Just stakes. Patriots play, and the Jets play two of the next three games. You know the deal. Brees Hall is out for the Jets. It's Zach Wilson time, I guess. But it's fascinating again because I guess Mac Jones is going to start. He's going to be the guy and Belichick's out and says Mac's our guy, Mac's our guy. Is there a leash? I'm dead serious on this. How does Belichick handle this if Mac comes out and either A sucks and throws an interception to Sauce Gardner on the first throw or just is not great and they go into halftime and they have six points or ten points and it's 21 to 10 and the offense is just spinning its tires. Do you go to Bailey? And then do you go back and start Mac again next week? The quarterback stuff is really interesting. He pulled Mac last week after one interception. Now he's back in. Do you pull him again? This is gross. It's so messy and so sloppy. That's really interesting too, though. Mac Jones is a nice guy, seems to be. I've met him before. I've interviewed him a few times. Totally affable, like kind of goofy into it. I root for him. Why not? Seems like a good guy. I'm openly rooting against him this week. Understand, just so I can have chaos. If he comes in and plays really well, there's no story. It's just, okay, the Patriots are figuring it out. But if he came in and he's wobbly as hell, wobbly equals zappy. That's where we're going. And then we got all kinds of fun to talk about. It'd be nice if the Patriots could win, I guess, in a sense, because they go to three and five. Who cares about them? Jets at six and two would be crazy. I see. I love it. Doesn't this sound great? This is why we do this. All right? That's what I love. But when we go ahead and when we look at the calendar, it's late October. Let's talk about something that I hate. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right, Halloween week. Lots to love, especially if you get kids. It's really fun. There's an excitement. It's not quite Christmas excitement, but there is excitement. There's an energy, there's a juice. Leaves are changing, pumpkins are out, all that stuff. There's a couple things, though, that I hate about Halloween. One is just the constant, if you have a problem with um, portion control and uh, willpower, I'm not good. If, If there's Laffy Taffy around, I'm eating seven of them. I'm just gonna sit there and eat seven. And if I'm really ashamed of it, I'm gonna take the seven wrappers, I'm not gonna put them in the garbage can in the kitchen. No, I'm not. I'm gonna open the garbage can in the kitchen. It's got one of those little petals. I'm going to pull up a couple layers of garbage and then take said Laffy Tappy wrappers and put them under the, 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 the garbage. It's kind of like a geology thing. You know how the earth's got layers? And then you push it down like that. Not because your wife even cares a little something in here called pride that gets affected. Dignity. You don't want to see your wife, even if you've been married for 12 yard, 12 years. You don't want your wife to see that you ate seven Laffy Taffies on a Thursday afternoon. I've done it. I'll even go further. Never mind. We'll talk about that another time. I, I have to stay focused because here I live in the suburbs. Surprise! I know that shocks everybody. Um, and it's all about you put the decorations out. A lot of kids around and you, you put your Halloween decorations, however best suits you. We pushed it a little bit this year. We, we pushed it in the sense that we do have an inflatable, like a little fan, those things that sit up. Kids like it. We have the three like cartoon hitchhiker ghosts from the Haunted Mansion Disney. We like that stuff. But now we also have two skeletons, and I don't mean inflatable skeletons or cartoon ones, like plastic skeletons that you can buy at Target or whatever, full size, and they're sitting on these two Adirondack chairs, and they're waving like so you drive by there's two skeletons it's kind of silly it's age appropriate for our kids but there's been something that's always bothered me in this universe of yard decoration in late october and it is the person who is just so extra as they say with it in that it's not so much about decorating for halloween and it certainly isn't about making it festive for the kids it's about turning your property into a Saw movie have you ever seen one of these people maybe it's in your neighborhood or another neighborhood you visited in October where they take it so far it's it's not it, it's it's turns into a, a murder scene in their front yard like it's not enough to have the pumpkins or the like little fake gravestones there's there's bodies and blood and knives with blood and um, not just ghosts and goblins, it's, it's these creatures, They're half their faces melted off, and it's very scary. And it's, it, what's scary in and of itself is seeing the monsters they have, but the real monster is the person who puts those in a front yard that he knows children are going to see. That's the guy who's scary. Because here's the way this works, especially if you have young kids. Let's say five, four three even just young and you go out it's so cute and they got their little bucket or their pillowcase and they got their whatever the hell their their uh, Paw Patrol costume or what and and you're going to the house by house and then oh, and then you're like oh man you know Terry's house is at the end of the block and you know Terry is this sick puppy who just brings out every spook and every uh, specter and every ghost and every murder and every it just it, it turns it into it's almost like a morgue meets a graveyard meets a car accident, and it's disturbing because what's the worst part, it's not just the visuals that are kind of creepy, it's like a trap where you walk up the front porch and let's say, let's say you dial it down on the front yard, so oh, I'll give it a chance. There's now all those those motion sensitive things, either by pure motion or even things that you step on, where when you walk by them, it's bah! Bah! and it's, it's, it's the, the jack-in-the-box your kid walks by that, and there's trauma, there's, there's fear, there's crying, and it's like it's all in the name of fun. But it's not fun. This, this is not for the adults. This is not after hours. This is at 3 o'clock. You ever see that sweet little thing where the young kids come out early for like the AAA ball of trick-or-treating, and they do like four or five houses, and they're dressed up as a chicken or something cute like that? There's these motion-censored traps that scare them. Can't you just? Is it not a right to just put a witch or a pumpkin? Even I've seen this house. There's a house we used to go to in our old neighborhood where they had like a, like dolls, like ventriloquist dummies with those motionless, dead eyes. And you know, you would if it's like the saw doll. And if you would step in front of it, there's this doll, and it would just go like this and like that and turn its head. And I would get scared. We were with my son at the time, who was young. And once you're already up there, we were in like an unfamiliar block because we're starting to cover more ground. And we didn't know what we were getting into. Um, I just, I feel like I'm going through their house of horrors in the sense that like, we just want a peanut butter cup, dude. I I don't want to go through your Kevin McAllister death trap gauntlet that you've set up for me to A, avert my kid's eyes from seeing something that's going to disturb him. To be actual physical scares that pop out of things. You ever go to these spirit Halloween stores, these pop up stores? They got things now that, like, this is the guy, and this is the guy. He goes into that store, the guy I'm talking about on the block, and you will walk into that store and see a thing that is an animatronic, um, like, werewolf with blood and, like, howling eyes and, like, actual sound effects. And they always have the price tag at the bottom, and it'll be like, forty eight hundred dollars like five grand and you're like who buys that thing it's it's crazy to look at but like who would spend five thousand dollars on a 12 foot fully animatronic werewolf who jumps out and howls this guy does that guys they don't sell them unless somebody buys them and that guy buys them and then to the question of where do you put that thing when you spend five thousand on it You put it in the basement with all the kids that you've kidnapped. I mean, with all your uh, sporting equipment and all your your homebrew stuff that you set up. I just always see that too. And, And in my experience, I'll tell you this, my last point on this, those houses, when you get up there and you crawl through the seven circles of hell to get to the front and the thing pops out and the spooky music's playing and there's cobwebs and there's smoke machines and there's black lights and everything and you finally get up there and you ring the doorbell and the doorbell plays a spooky sound because you got a custom doorbell and you finally get him out here and then he comes out and he's dressed in Freddy Krueger with the burned face and the glove and everything and you finally say trick or treat, crappiest candy ever, the worst, the worst. You will never show up with the giant big cup, not the peanut butter cup, but the big cup. You will never get a big baby Ruth. You will never, because he spent all his money on his crap. He doesn't have any. Money. He doesn't have any left. It, it's. I, I have. I have gone through that entire deal, like the scariest, most R-rated Halloween front yard you've ever seen. And I tell you, you get up there, and it's like this little, little crappy bag of candy corn. And I'm even a candy corn guy, but I'm in the minority in that. I think it's never worth it. And it's like, dude, that's. This is not your personal day. To get out your disgusting macabre almost s ish type fetishes on the neighborhood keep that inside the house you want to put a, a wicked witch out some pumpkins some some skeletons a black cat great but I don't need a, a, a surgeon conducting a lobotomy on someone because you think Halloween is cool it's too much it's the dark side I get it but like, I, th- there's scenes from The Exorcist going on on your front walk, across from my front walk. It's too much. It's it's HOA stuff. It's it's. Uh, what's the next door app? The next door app has a week right now on Halloween. I'll be on it. By the way, I keep talking about this. I gotta go. Um, <laughs> just just a, a half an hour ago, I swear, I was talking to the to the a Ukrainian politician about war, and now we're here. We're talking about the Saw movies. We got to move on. Um, let's talk about. What's Hilarious? Let's go. Uh, What's hilarious, I don't believe in in, uh, fat shaming, but I do believe in fitness priding. What's the opposite of shaming? Priding? Uh, Giving someone credit? So we stumbled into this yesterday. I don't even know how. We were talking about the bills, and I was reminding everybody that Sean McDermott is an old maniac. Oh, we were talking about the movie Vision Quest, which is his favorite movie in which Josh Allen and I, I think are going to watch together next week after he beats the Packers by 30. I was reminding everybody that McDermott was a college football player on William & Mary, but he was like a renowned wrestler, the wrestling life, running in garbage bags and all that type of stuff. And I just threw it out there. We were doing Brant Awareness, and I was talking to Pepper, and I said, 32 head coaches right now, I think Sean McDermott, of all of them, is the most fit, the most fit of any of uh, the 32 head coaches, and I'll go further, I would even venture to guess, that if we were to go statistically on it, I think that Sean McDermott currently, who is probably in his mid-40s, has the lowest body fat percentage of any of the 32 head coaches, any of them. I would rank him number one of the lowest, and I have it at, I don't know, maybe 10 or 11. You guys have thoughts on it. And we asked, which NFL head coach has the lowest body? Not the one who can lift the most. Not the one who's even in the best shape, necessarily. Just the one who is the most shredded of of the 32. You guys had thoughts. I think it's McDermott, and I will stick to that. However, let's see what the people said. Let's see what you guys said, because you had all kinds of opinions. First person up, Walshy. Walshy, who has a roadhouse uh, Twitter little avatar. Got my respect. Right boot. Got it. Uh, while she says, "Oh, it's definitely McDermott. It's definitely McDermott. Wrestler mentality. Mike McDaniel is like bacon, thin but fat." <laughs> I had thrown out McDaniel, who we don't think of as an adonis. He's his own kind of genius, but he doesn't have huge muscles. But he may be lowest in the body fat just because he seems to be a thin gentleman. But while she continues, um, McDaniel has the build of a mathlete. Okay, mathlete. Like McDaniel does look very smart. If you were to do the central casting thing of like an 80s movie, the quote-unquote mathlete or nerd, it would look like Mike McDaniel. But I have a feeling he has an athletic side too. Mike McDaniel's definitely in the conversation for lowest body fat percentage. What else? Who's next? Mike Leaper. Mike Leaper says, I mean, Pete Carroll is old and skinny. Definitely not a lot of body fat there, LOL. Leaper, you're not off. You're not off at all. In fact, I'm gonna do it right now. Hold on. Pete Carroll is... He's gonna be seven. No, no, that's the P- Peter J. Carroll, the author. <laughs> There's an author named Peter. Here I got. It. Pete Carroll's gonna be is seventy-one. He turned seventy-one last month, and I completely agree. Remember, there was the shot um, when they drafted DK Metcalf, and a lot of people passed on him. And when he came in, when DK came in, and his whole reputation was being so shredded, and the picture of he and AJ Brown in college blew everybody away. When Pete Carroll met him for the first time, everyone had been laughing about the picture. Pete just straight up took his shirt off. Right in front of him and made a big joke out of it, which was funny. I checked him out. Didn't you? Pete looked good. Really good. And the fact that he's on the senior tour of the body fat percentage, pound for pound, so to speak, Pete might be the most impressive, given his age and how thin and shredded he is. So Pete's in it. He's not the number one though. I still I still think I still think you could bounce a quarter off McDermott's abs. Let's see what else though. Who else then? David, Phoenix Spartan 1 says, Alright, yeah. Cliff Kingsbury has entered the chat. No, he he tweets. Cliff is running away with this thing. Cliff's interesting because Cliff is tall, and he is lean. And there's certain pictures online of him, like at pool parties and stuff, while he was a college coach, and he just like a full shredded six pack. Several years ago, I don't know if his relationship with Kyler Murray is leading him to stress eat. It would definitely lead me. I don't think those guys are best friends, or uh, nor are ever gonna be. Cliff's in the in the running. Cliff was a quarterback, as most people know. I feel like, I, I, I highly doubt that Cliff was a, high school, was a high school wrestler, college wrestler, or anything like that. I don't know. He's his low. I still go to McDermott. McDermott, is, I'm telling you, he, he works out in his driveway. He's twisted steel. I, I really do think that he keeps it up, and I think he's disciplined to keep it up. Next, Cliff Kingsbury. Anybody else with a lower body fat percentage than Sean McDermott? All right. This is interesting. It's just a picture. This is from TC and I'm looking at a picture of John Harbaugh, who we were talking about earlier in the show, and he, this is a good picture. This is a flattering picture of John Harbaugh. He's holding the Lombardi Trophy in the confetti. This is in New Orleans when they beat Colin Kaepernick in the Niners, and his arm looks like it was ripped off of a He-Man figure and pushed onto his shoulder. It's got a heavily vascular, strong forearm, looks great. But guys, this was years ago. And John Harbaugh, I'm sure, is strong and fit and everything, but we're, we're talking pure body fat. He's just not there. It's fine. He, he looks great. Don't get me wrong. But this is the best of the best here. That's out. Eric Thompson says, all right, KOC, KOC, which we're calling Kevin O'Connell, KOC. That's kind of cool. New Vikings coach. Might have to be in the conversation. Tall plus skinny equals great BMI. Body mass index. KOC is in the conversation. We just don't know enough about the man. We know his playing background and in the pro level It was brief but we haven't seen him around enough. I've seen so much of McDermott. I've seen so much Pete Carroll. Is he still getting it in? Can anybody with the Vikings confirm that that KOC still works out? How's the diet when he comes by the Vikings cafeteria? Is it Caesar salad or is it cheesesteak? I'd like to know. KOC in the conversation but can't confirm. Uh, Lowest body fat percentage, here we go. Shanahan looks like he hasn't eaten in weeks. (laughs) That's Jay Quintana. Yeah, Shanahan's in it too. This, you know, college football player at Texas, he doesn't, he, he (laughs) that is funny to me. I've never thought of Kyle Shanahan like that. I usually just think of how he's tan and has a flat brim. He's, He's into it, but I don't think he's getting necessarily the weight training that can also lower the body fat and the cardio. He just looks like he's stressed. Look, guys, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McDermott has a much more comfortable life right now this season than Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan risked everything to trade everything up in the draft to get a quarterback from North Dakota State who was totally unproven. And he comes in, he's kind of wonky last year, and then this year he breaks his ankle, like in the first five minutes, and now he's got to go back to the dream boat that he thought he was getting rid of. A lot of stress for Shanahan. The team's not great. They just got waxed by the Chiefs. I think maybe a little extra weight there. Any more? Or is it just McDermott in the, in the runaway? Jordan Solis, Dan Campbell surely. I hear you, Campbell's the most jacked. I think Campbell could definitely put up the most on the military press. I don't know around the belt area down there or in the inner thigh where the real body mass index starts to skyrocket. Uh, I know this about Dan Campbell, he eats a lot of sorbet. I, I read an article, I think it was maybe The Athletic where he eats like three tubs of sorbet a night. He's just a fiend for it. That's not gonna help. McDermott's definitely not doing that. So Campbell the strongest. Definitely. God, that team sucks too. They just can't win a game. I was rooting so hard for Dan Campbell and they're terrible. All right, Will Parkinson. That's a friend of mine. Turn on the Jets podcast. Just eyeball emojis and I'm looking at Sala. Damn, Sala looks good. There's this picture of Sala in this golf shirt and he's got this gorgeous bicep. Gorgeous. And he looks lean in the front, strong up top. Just a large man. Sala is a college tight end. And, you know, McDermott's a college safety. I think by nature, I think Salah's carrying it. He certainly weighs more than McDermott. He's a bigger man. Um, so I think I, I still, I that's a great-looking picture. I think Sala is the best-looking NFL head coach. But we'll move on. Any more? I, I still have not heard anybody dethrone McDermott. That's it. All right, so this can continue for the generation. We should ask Sean McDermott this. I'm sure he'd be so flattered as he prepares for Sunday Night Football. Coach, do you think... Do yourself a favor if you're bored or you're a Bills fan. Google Sean McDermott dips and pull-ups. He has the record still to this day. I think like the human record. I, you, we will not believe the numbers he did. I, I promise. Uh, we got to move on. I think it's time for Takes on Takes. And I, I'm told this is going to be a great one. As you know, I've never seen these clips. But let's get to it. Takes on Takes. Do you have ambitious hiring goals for the last quarter of 2022? With a powerful hiring partner, big goals are no big deal. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Join over 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to sponsor your job post at Indeed.com Basement. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com Basement. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, friends, I got fives, I have 10, which I've never used, I got nine or six or whatever, and I have two combatants who enter the takes-on-takes arena. We're going to take one take from one of them, go against the other guy, and then we judge them, NBA dunk contest style, in three categories, delivery, creativity, and heat. Delivery, creativity, heat. And today we have two former players telling two current quarterbacks to shut up. This is fun. I don't know who they are. I'm reading it now for the first time as you hear it and you see it right here on screen. First up, okay, ESPN's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max program gives us Keyshawn Johnson. Number one overall pick to the New York Jets from USC. Destroyed Northwestern in the Rose Bowl. Rip my heart out. Uh, Keyshawn has a message, here we go. (laughs) Apparently, Keyshawn saw the Russell Wilson doing high knees on the airplane story and Kishan making his Takes on Takes debut, had this to say.
0: Stop with always telling somebody what you're doing and how you're doing it. Just be the yep. quarterback of the team, man. Just do those sort of things. Because when I think about it, not like Russell, I like him a lot, I've interviewed him, I've interviewed him a bunch, I've been around him a bunch, but I don't need to hear that you worked out for four hours on a plane, and you studied up the film and while everybody else was sleeping like I don't need to hear those sort of things I don't that doesn't it's not going to make me think oh god you're doing everything right and nobody else is doing anything they're just sitting on the plane and sleeping while you you're so in tune with doing everything because what's going to happen man is the things that's happening to him now people think he's phony people think she's people think he's a phony
1: it's all an act It's good, it's simple, it's clean, it's direct, and it's totally credible. Huh? It's tough, you know, there's, there's certain types of people. There's really two types. There's the one who does a lot of really hard work and just has to tell everybody about it, and then there's the one that does the same work and just says, I'm just gonna keep it quiet, I'm just gonna keep it silent. Go back and forth. You know, I, I started the show today by talking about how hard I'm working and all these great things I'm doing. I don't know. I didn't do it to sound cool. I just thought it'd be kind of fun to share the content. I don't know if Russ feels the same way. I I feel like he needs everybody to know that he did that. And that's why he did it in front of his teammates. And then if they weren't going to tell the media, you just say it. I'm sure there's been many, many players who have done things on planes to help their bodies or maintain their bodies, especially if you're flying all the way across to London. I don't remember one getting off the plane and immediately telling every media member that comes across them what they've been doing with it. That's just the Russ kind of thing. they show your work kind of guy, if you will. I like the Keyshawn take. I like the Keyshawn's in this segment. I like some fresh blood. Um, I wish I could give him a higher score, but it was just kind of a cool conversational take. It wasn't something crazy over the top. It wasn't funny, um, nor was he trying to be funny. It was just honest and pure. And so I'm going to give him, like, a clean six, all right? Keith, I'm a fan of yours. I, I hope you're back in this segment. And he will bring the fire often. This was just real talk. He was just stop doing that. Just play quarterback. No one needs to hear it. And I like Russell, but no one needs to hear it. Stop playing. It's good. It's really good. It was, really, it was six. So all this person has to do is be the six. And again, you guys watching right now, I'm going to see it for the first time. Um, ESPN's get up. Chris Canty, all right? Chris Canty. I know Chris a little bit. He has a message. Now, he needs to beat a six, needs a seven to beat Keyshawn. But Chris Canty, former defensive lineman, Giants, Ravens, really cool face mask, he has a message for Aaron Rodgers. Go ahead, Chris.
0: I feel like Aaron Rodgers should take his own advice, man. Stop talking. I'm tired of hearing you talk. And if I'm tired of hearing you talk, I'm sure the guys in the locker room damn sure are tired of hearing you talk. And the fact that you point out guys that are making mistakes Maybe they need to fix those mistakes, and if not, we need to get somebody else in there. Gee, the one thing I don't hear is any accountability on Aaron Rodgers' part. He's not saying we, he's saying they. And when you separate yourself from your teammates, that's never a good place to be in, especially when you're the quarterback because that's a leadership position by nature. And Aaron Rodgers, there's a lot of improvement that even he can make as the back-to-back MVP. When his offensive line wins all of their blocks on pass plays, Aaron Rodgers' QBR ranks 22nd in the National Football League. You're exacerbating Mm. the issue by making it public. And, G, this is the second week in a row where we've seen Aaron Rodgers Challenge the authority of Matt LaFleur. A couple of weeks ago, it was we need to simplify the offense. What did Matt LaFleur say? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> this week, he's talking about we need to cut back on guys playing times that are making mistakes. I'm sorry, are you the quarterback or are you the head coach? Mm. Do your damn job, and then we can go from there.
1: That's good. That's really good. And again, it's he's not doing shtick. He's not trying to be funny. He's just bringing heat. The, the, the delivery was excellent. Really good. I gave him high points for delivery, not trying to be funny, I, I, I don't know if it was terribly original, but I just don't really care. I, I just like that. I found that compelling. When he hit us, with the surprise of that, is you know how much in this segment, how much I like the produced research nuggets? I just love them. I think they're hilarious. Certainly someone went to Chris, or Chris did it himself. I'm not trying to put him down. I'm just. I know, it's hard. The researchers are there for a reason. They give you this stuff. They give it to me. He, someone went to him and said, hey, you know, I, I know you're going to be talking Rodgers today. I don't know if you know this, but when he, all of his offensive linemen, do their assignment, or however he phrased it, made their blocks, Aaron Rodgers is actually 22nd in QBR. Now that is a deep in the woods stat. You need the setup of all his linemen winning, and then you go to the QBR, and he's 22nd, and it landed. It landed. I like it. You know, you, they do these broadcast boot camp things. I didn't go to it because it's for ex-players but they always try to tell you i think to a fault to back up your point with a statistic which i generally that's not how i do it but that's how they're classically trained these ex-players who want to get into broadcasting it is come out strong with your opinion and then back it up with a statistic and try to add a personal story from your career and that was by the book that was really good i'm going to give him a seven i'm going to give chris canty the win over Keyshawn johnson he was more passionate than Keyshawn. He had the statistic to back it up, which you don't need, but is nice. And I think he was a little more aggressive. He didn't bother to temper the take a little bit, which what Keyshawn did is Chris Canty didn't say, Now, I like Aaron Rodgers. I've interviewed him before many times. No, 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 none of that. That waters the take down, Keyshawn. And I get it. It also feels like a little bit like you're covering your tracks. Like, in case this player sees this, like, I'm not really coming for him and we're still guys and everything. But, like, that's why Chris Canty gets a seven. Seven is a really good debut. It's really good. Fred never been on the segment before. Canty's been in the media for years. He knows the league inside and out. I liked that. Everybody's doing Aaron Rodgers' take. He did it seamlessly, passionately, statistically, and um, victoriously. Chris Canty wins takes on takes with his take on Aaron Rodgers. We all win when Pepper comes in here. Pepper, let's do some Brandt awareness.
2: what's up bud how we doing we're doing well you know you know chris canty actually just got married so i'm sure he'll appreciate the seven as a wedding gift so that was very nice of you inside info you work
1: with chris on, on uh, fs1 or something What'd you i
2: did i did i was very close with yeah. chris and and now he hosts a radio show with chris carlin who i've known for years so good guy good guy and does his very own research close, but hold on pepper did yep. you go to the wedding? Yeah, I did not go to the wedding. It was in Chicago, no, but I, no. I still wasn't invited. That's not an excuse. <laughs> not invited. No. Uh, not enough people canceled for you to get in
1: to the Peppers, the, the seventh string invitees. That's OK. It's probably a nice wedding. Um,
2: What else is in the headlines? Other than you not going to Chris Canty's wedding. This <laughs> All right, first up, <laughs> NFL trade news today. The Chiefs acquired Kadarius Tony from the Giants for a third yeah. and a sixth. Tony, the Giants first round pick in 2021, only played in 12 games for the Giants and never scored a touchdown. Kyle, you think the Chiefs will figure out how to get them unlocked?
1: I like it kind of for everyone involved. I like it for the Giants because it wasn't working and clearly Dable didn't like them. It just wasn't happening. It's the last regime's groceries. Fine, get something for them and we'll be better for it in the future. Um, it just wasn't happening. You wanted it to, it wasn't gonna happen. Y- yeah, it matters for the Chiefs. <laughs> it matters. Couple things. First of all, if you are another AFC team, whoever it may be, Raiders, Bills, Chargers, anybody who either has a relationship with the Chiefs or might have to get through them, it's kind of a win that this This means they're not gonna get Odell. That's that's one of the secondary headlines. The Chiefs are not gonna sign Odell Beckham Jr. He's not gonna be a Chief. You, you wouldn't do that and Tony and all the guys you have. It's just too many cooks in the kitchen. But the fear is is that like Tony is really talented. You know, if you don't, if you don't know about him and forget something about him, he's t- last year, first round pick, 2021. This is quick. First round pick. In fact, they took him 20th overall. This guy at Florida who's just like really talented with the ball in his hands. And they're going to get the ball in his hands. You don't trade for him and then just say like, ah, we couldn't figure out a, a purpose. The enemy, read like all these crazy plays the Chiefs do by the goal line and Mahomes is lining up under center and now it's Kelsey under center and we're doing reverse shovels. All. Tony is perfect for that. Small guy, you know, under under two hundred pounds, but super fast, super talented. And so here's the deal: Chiefs now they're set, like they, their offense is set, and they're gonna line up, and they got a nice group. It's there's still no there's still no Tyreek, but who cares? Like, did you see what they did to the Niners last week? Kelsey is Kelsey, and then they got the they got Juju, who's been good. They're gonna have Tony come in and do fun stuff. They got Miko Harmon who can make plays. Marcos Valdez-Scantling, who's like this home run hitter, like, they're loaded. And they have Pacheco running back, Edwards Allaire running back, they're loaded. And they got Mahomes. So, in the conversation of, we've talked about this a lot on the show, I still think it's the big three in the AFC. I think it's it's Kansas City, I think it's Buffalo, and I think it's Cincinnati. This is, it's not great that they got that guy. They decided to make a move for a first-round pick who wasn't working out, but who has a crazy first-round talent. Go and pull up, if you want to get a little primer on Tony, he made a couple really impressive plays as a rookie last year, but just pull up his college highlights. It's scary. It's like, it, 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 are we going to get that in the AFC division Round or the title game? Because that's a problem. He's very talented. I don't know if it's going to put, I don't, I'm not saying they're the best team in the AFC now. It's a problem,
2: though. He's really good. What else you got, Sam? And, and also, the Chiefs are on a bye, so uh, they got a little uh-huh. extra time uh-huh. to kind of figure that out. Andy Reid's got some time on his hands uh, to figure out some plays to get uh-huh. him involved. Good. um next up weird comments from former friend star Matthew Perry in his memoir mm. he wrote why is it that original thinkers like River Phoenix and Heath Ledger's Ledger die but Keanu Reeves still walks among us just bizarre Perry has since apologizing po- apologize stating I'm actually a big Keanu fan I just chose a random name my mistake I apologize I should have used my own name instead Kyle what's your reaction mm. to all this I love this story,
1: I do. Who knew that we would have like a Chandler versus Neo beef going on. I'm trying to figure, all right, so I was at um, I was at the grocery store yesterday, it's my wife's birthday. I was buying her, she wanted a special birthday dinner. I make these pork burritos with uh, tomatillo salsa. It's very good, it's probably the best thing I make. Point is, I was at the grocery store, and in the checkout line, I see People Magazine. And it's Matthew Perry and he's in the, the official photo shoot where he's like leaning against the exposed brick wall inside somewhere. He's got the smile on his face. He's got the nice wardrobe and everything. And it was just, just like, I'm ready to tell my story. Matthew Perry speaks about you know, fame, addiction, and his path to enlighten, whatever the hell it is. So I'm like, that's ah, great. Good for Chandler. You know, you you, you love to see it. And then it's been hijacked, this whole tour he's doing of the book and the magazine covers and I'm sure he's gonna do the morning show circuits. <laughs> and he wants to go on the Today Show or whatever show he does and just sit down and tell a few friends memories and then talk about his addiction, how he got over it and how he's you know found a new life. That's, and that's good for him. And now, because of this, everyone is gonna be like, dude, what's why are you dogging Keanu? What's going on with that? What? Chandler, Matthew, why would you take out after Keanu like this? Like, what, what did he do to you? So just so I have it straight, and Sam, come back in here. Years ago, all right, so he's half right. So he says, River Phoenix and Heath Ledger, they're taken from us, and that's terrible. And okay, just stop there. But then he reaches for this sucker punch to Keanu Reeves and just says, and he's still alive? So my first reaction was, all right, well, there's obviously beef there, They run in many of the same circles, maybe, especially back in the 90s. My thought was, is there anything where Keanu, who, you know, is massive, got some roles that Chandler was supposed to, I'm actually trying not to do it now, Matthew Perry was supposed to
2: get, like, do you have any evidence, Pepper, of of beef between them? Where's this come from? No, uh, the whole staff looked for that and there really was nothing. And this wasn't the only, he apologized just for this, but this wasn't the only occurrence of it in the memoir. There's also a story that he said when he found out that Chris Farley passed away in '97 that he punched a wall and said Keanu Reeves still walks among us. So okay. the, it, it, this isn't a one-time mention in the memoir. It's just bizarre. So this is like this is his go-to joke that he
1: that's when he needs a joke he makes fun of Keanu Reeves. I do have some thoughts. I was hoping that we were going to find. That um, Matthew Perry was supposed to have gotten a role, and something happened, and he resents Keanu for it. Because it is, as I'm thinking about it now, it is really funny to imagine Matthew Perry in different Keanu roles that he thought might <laughs> have gotten over the years. Can you imagine? There's a bomb on your bus. Stay above 50. I I don't buy that at all. Or him being like, I know kung fu. I, I just. I don't think Perry would have worked the lake house. I have a house by a lake. I It couldn't possibly be the same roles, right? Um, maybe it even goes further back and he was it, it was supposed to be, you know, Chandler and or, Bill and Chandler's excellent adventure. I, I, I still contend this is gonna come out, but Pepper, I, I sense, I can smell it through the screen you have a take. What is your take on Matthew Perry
2: just kneecapping Keanu Reeves out of nowhere? What do you got? It's not much of a take. I just think for some reason, Matthew Perry sees himself as a different echelon of actor. I mean, the, the names okay. that he mentioned, Heath Ledger and River Phoenix are these <laughs> legendary names because not only they died early, but the actors that they were and that yep. the, the resumes that they probably would have accumulated Matthew Perry, no offense, to Matthew Perry, very funny on Friends. I'm not a huge fan, but very funny. But he is not at that level. And I know Keanu yeah. was made fun of a lot, but it's. I think he sees himself much differently than the rest of the world sees him. That's yeah. my take from. It's his a great sickness.
1: point. No, I'm into that because, like, look, let's, we'll just call it like it is. Matthew Perry should be brethren with like you know uh, Carlton, exactly. <laughs> J.J. Walker. Like, they're they're really well-liked sitcom characters who maybe did some movies or something. But Pepper, I think he should just, like, when Daniel Day-Lewis finally passes, Matthew Perry should just tweet, and Keanu Reeves is still alive. And just keep going. When Dame Judi Dench dies, and Keanu Reeves still walks among us. It is real. But the other thing we were talking about, Pepper, is that everyone's so ashamed, and like, not ashamed, they're so offended that he's going after Keanu Let's not forget, there was a time that everyone went after Keanu, and he was a joke. He was a punchline. Like, there are Family Guy sketches in which Keanu Reeve walks on a set and a bird comes up and starts doing the woodpecker thing on his head because everyone makes fun of him. What happened is, and my take is this stories got out through the Matrix era that he was like the greatest person ever, and that Keanu reportedly gave tons and tons, like, Offensive amounts of money to the crew members of the matrix like just millions and millions and those stories got out Keanu Reeves, I think has never said anything bad about anybody ever. He's just just generally certainly eccentric But kind of weird guy and I'll tell you the other thing that changed John wick changed everything for Keanu He his approval rating skyrocketed because those movies are cool And he just kicks ass and is mad about his dog getting killed and like everybody loves him but I want to make sure we we don't miss, misconstrue this There was a time when Matthew Perry was not the only person making Keanu Reeves jokes. I would be willing to bet that there's tons of Jay Leno, Keanu Reeves jokes, Conan jokes, Letterman jokes. He was the go-to punchline for a bad actor. Why are they so successful? It's just true. But it's weird now that it's coming out from Matthew Perry, like who does what he does. It would be like me doing what I do, like just like we have someone in sports media dies and I go, yeah, and Nick Wright still gets to be on TV. I would never do that. I like Nick, (laughs) or like Dan Orlovsky still walks among us and this person, it would be outrageous. It just, you would never do that to your own peers. So. It's, you know what the funniest thing that he's ever done is he's destroyed his entire <laughs> PR tour to just get Keanu Reeves questions when he wants to talk about beating Oxycontin. That's great that you did that, Matthew, but why so much hate for Keanu? God, that must be frustrating for him and his
2: handlers. That sucks, but it's amusing for us, right, Sam? Exactly, exactly. And I think the other thing that softened Keanu weirdly is that uh Key and Peele, Keanu cat movie. I think he did the voice oh, yeah. for Keanu, uh, the cat, and that, that opened up a whole new, uh, realm, for I him agree. And kind of brought him back to, uh, uh, on, on, the public sphere. Anyway, finally, scientists at Stanford University reconstructed a 3D model of how Joseph, the husband of Mary might've looked. I think we have an image here if we can pull it up for our listeners. It looks shockingly like Andre the giant. Kyle, are, are you surprised by this? No, this is a joke.
1: This, can't, this is not real. I, I, listen. Everybody's hilarious on the internet now. Even if it wasn't a joke, it's, at some point when the thing was finishing up, guys, this isn't United States. This is not some, this is Stanford. This is not some university uh, like in another part of the world who may not be familiar with Andre. It's also not undergraduates who were too young for Andre. Scientists, even if they aren't making a joke, at some point when they were starting to wrap this up, no one said, Guys, (laughs) I gotta be honest, I'll just say it. I know we're all thinking it. Doesn't this look a lot like Andre the Giant? Oh, thank God you said it. It's all I've been thinking about since we started working on his chin. We have to change this. This is so stupid. That's what Joseph looked like? (laughs) The guy, Joseph was managed by Bobby the Brain Heenan? What did Judas look like? Ted (laughs) DiBiase, come on. (laughs) I would love to see their actual statue of Jesus and it comes out. And it's just Hulk Hogan. What, what are these guys doing? There's no, I think this is a joke or a prank or something. Because even if you finish the whole thing, and this is important work, I guess. This is what these people are trying to do. I guess we need to see what Joseph looks like. But they're scientists, so they've been educated and they're working really hard and they're at Stanford and they're representing a really important university. Even if they finished it and they're like, God, I'm so proud of this. Look at, there he is. You have to redo it, because all anyone is ever going to do is laugh at your work. Who who among us saw that and didn't think of Andre the Giant? If you didn't think of Andre the Giant when you when you saw that, you don't know who Andre the Giant is. It, it might as well just be a photograph of him. It's not even like a, a, a approaching a resemblance to him or like, yeah, I can see it. It looks like, not his twin, it looks like a picture of Andre the Giant. I saw that. I had the funniest experience, Sam, when I saw this, is that it came up in a tweet, right, and you see the picture, and you, you don't read the text or whatever, because you're scrolling, and I saw the picture, and I said, oh, that's cool. Like, is that a Hall of Fame bus for Andre the Giant or something? I didn't know what the context was, but I was definitely looking at Andre the Giant, and then I'm like, hold on, <laughs> we're going into the the nativity scene and the manger on Christmas, <laughs> what the hell is this? Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I, my take is it has to be a joke, or they're just so short sighted. You can't release that. You you can't do it. Um, I just, does what? Did they have a rendition of Mary, and does she look like Miss Elizabeth? I need to see. Well, I need actually, to see
2: who are what? What do you got? Actually, I believe I did see the Mary. I don't know if we have it ready. Um, it looked exactly like exactly looked exactly like Lady Gaga. So what I'm gonna say here is that despite me wanting to make you aware of this. I have yeah. to look at that Twitter handle. There's a lot of emojis in there. I'm gonna guess this is yeah. kind of a, a, a fake out, um, which is fine because we got your reaction to it. But I'm gonna lean, um, you know, that this was a false viral tweet. Okay. I, I, I First of all, I hope it's real because it's very funny <laughs> to me that those scientists devoted their whole
1: life to this, and we're like, "What do you mean? This is Joseph? Sure, it is, dude. Um, remember when? Remember when the Hulkster picked up Joseph at WrestleMania and slammed him? I hope it's real." But it is a little strange that we're, like, the person who's sharing it seems to be pretty bush league. So, you're probably
2: right. Um, You're you're probably right. That's okay. But I like it anyway. We don't have journalistic integrity here in uh, Kyle. No. Zero. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) At all. All right. That's all I got. That's all I got. Ah, I thought you were going to show
1: me a, they found a rendition of the three wise men and they all look like mean Gene Okerlund. You don't, you don't have that. That All right. Thanks, Sam. Have a good weekend, man. See you later. That's it. That's the end of the show. I, whatever that Andre the giant bust, I'm sorry. Whatever that Joseph bust is. I want that. I want to put that right here. What we need more in our set decor here in Calvary's basement is more professional wrestling, especially with a focus on the '80s. <laughs> uh, but here, you know what we don't need more of? Darts. We have plenty of these, and I'm going to throw one right now. Let's go to SkyCam, if you don't mind. USA, USA, and I'm going to throw one, and whatever number it hits, there's a corresponding topic which I will ad lib some little riff on. Here we go. That's a ten. That is a nice ten. About four o'clock. What do you got, Michael Flynn? I have a thought on this, it's not nice. All right, I'll do it. Um, this is gonna piss some people off, oh well. I'll try to be respectful. The guy I'm thinking about is an icon, and I, I try not to throw that word around because it gets put on too many people. Some people are just legends, nothing wrong being a legend. But then they get kicked up to icons. I think this guy's an icon, an icon of the 60s, An icon of New York but I hate to break it to you if you were to go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame and power rank every single gentleman who's been inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame from the best player in there to oh my god all the way down at the bottom number one it's probably Jerry Rice it's just it's just the resume is just so unbelievable. Maybe Brady will be number one when he gets in there in five years? But, I think the last player in there would be Joe Namath. I'm telling you, it, it, it's he's a rock star, and I don't know if you're aware of this, he once predicted they'd win the Super Bowl, and he did, and there's about five seconds of beautiful video of him running off the field, pointing his finger, and he's great, and then, you know, Broadway Joe and the fur coat, all that stuff. Have you ever actually really looked into the football? It's not Sterling, it's not. Neither the numbers or the accomplishments outside of the football win. And look, I'm a pro football hall of fame elitist. I'm a, I am i do not want anybody in. I just, I think it's only should be the absolute best players of all time. And that's becoming more of a topic now in 2022 and just a lot of people are getting in. But look, I, I have no quarrel with Broadway Joe. I like his old commercials on YouTube. Some of the stuff about him as an age is that great, but I'm not even talking about that. I'm just saying his football brings me no joy to say Joe Namath was the worst pro football player in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But look it up, it's, it's, it's not great. So that's a cheery one to end on, guys. I would, I would say Joe Joe Namath is, is overrated. Uh, that's, it. that's it for the week. We're doing Sunday night. We'll get in here. Um, I'm going to be doing the show sunday night just before bills and packers is going down in western new york we'll talk all about that one on monday but until then i'm going to get a ride in and then go up to this haunted house somewhere and uh make jokes about the packers probably for cbs watch it on sunday morning cbs the nfl today uh noon eastern until then that's it from the basement see you love you thank you bye